Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League update in podcast form. Although right now, there's not much going on in the world of the Premier League because it's the dreaded international break. So we're going to be taking a look over the soap opera that is the England camp today on the podcast as well. So we've got Sterling versus Gomez on the agenda. We're also going to be taking a look at that leaked Chelsea fine list how much they are finding their players for various indiscretions. It makes some interesting reading. And this Thursday's European qualifier, England's game against Montenegro, will be the Three Lions' 1,000th international game. So we're going to talk about our favourite England memories. And as Stefan is half German, half Scottish, I'll be interested to know what your favourite England memory is. A few good German ones and a few (laughs) very, very, very bad Scottish ones. Well, you've got a choice, Stefan, between Gaza scoring against Scotland or Emil Heskey scoring the fifth against Germany in Munich. (laughs) They're your two choices. All I want to say is who scored the last international goal at Wembley? Was it Michael Ballack? (laughs) Uh, Michael Ballack? uh, Herman. Herman, Diddy Herman, of course it was. Right, now McCord over there, Stefan Armstrong over there, and we're going to kick off with Joe Gomez, just like Raheem Sterling did. Hey. Hey. So we covered this pretty heftily on yesterday's <laughs> podcast, um, the Sterling versus Gomez incident and how Gareth Southgate dealt with that in the England camp. But there's been a few developments over the last 24 hours which I want to touch on that might put a slightly different perspective on things and mostly for me that's the statement from Raheem Sterling have we seen the statement that Raheem Sterling released on social media following yeah I'm gonna say punch up but it wasn't a punch up in any way let me read it to you so Raheem Sterling posted something on Instagram and he said first and foremost everyone knows that the game what the game means to me everyone knows that I am not that way inclined and more to the point both Joe and terrible grammar in this post by the way there's full stops all over the place they always are in yeah, this I know, it's rubbish both Joe and I have had words and figured things out and moved on we're in a sport where emotions run high and I'm man enough to admit when emotions got the better of me we move this is why we play the sport because of our love I mean, he spent 30 seconds on this, hasn't he? <laughs> Basically, he's apologised on social but, media but reasonably what's, what's nicely he, and reasonably eloquently. What's he trying to justify, Jim? Like, what, What's actually happened between him and Joe Gomez? Do we know or...? Yeah, so I think it's being reported that Sterling tried to grab Joe Gomez by the throat. Oh, I like it. In nice. St George's Park. And the FA statement said it was in a... I can't remember the, air, the, the, the term they used, but it was something like a communal area... Or basically, canteen. It was basically the canteen. Yeah, somewhere where they weren't in training. Basically, it wasn't like they've gone in hard for a fifty-fifty. And Sterling's gone. Oh, you're rattling me again. He's (laughs) gone to grab him by the throat. It was a genuine. 
I think he's seen him. The red mist has descended and he's gone on to, towards him and tried to grab his throat. What I love about this is Joe Gomez strikes me as quite a tall, built guy and yeah. Raheem Sterling is very, very small. Yeah. This is like some sort of Laurel and Hardy sketch. What's going on here? Well, I'll tell you what I did see is a big scratch about two inches long Ooh. on Joe Gomez's cheek. Mm. And you'll be able to see it. All you need to do is Google it uh, or search on Twitter for Joe Gomez scratch and, and you'll find it. But it's... It's sizable. It's sizable. It's the kind of thing but you get pro- in a scuffle. But the problem is, if we're being told that Gomez has been potentially grabbed by the throat by Sterling, that scratch, I mean, Gomez could have fallen out of a tree and scraped his face <laughs> on a branch. You just don't know whether Sterling caused that scratch. That's no. The, that's the implication. We don't actually know. But what my opinion on this is, the media have been dying to lay into Sterling but- over the last six months because he's been such a positive ride for Raheem Sterling. Yeah. He's been so good. This whole media agenda against him was absolutely a thing. I totally believe that. And that came to the forefront and everyone was really hammering the media saying, we need to give Raheem a break here. And so they've just been sat there twiddling their thumbs for six months, waiting for a reason to absolutely lay into Raheem Sterling. And obviously things like this happen in football, but he's given them an opportunity to let them back in and and give him some stick, which is sad to see. There are certain newspapers that are always going to jump on that. But I have to say, I was quite critical yesterday of the way Southgate had handled the situation and this idea that he'd slapped him on the wrist and kind of banned him for the one game. Yeah, we're going to do that. He's really... going to come in and tell you off. Yeah, it's exactly. Pathetic. Exactly. It was that kind <laughs> of mentality. But actually, 24 hours on, I quite like the way that everyone's reacted. I like Sterling's post on social media. I like the fact they've Gomez and Raheem have come uh, out and both Jim, gone. Jim, we, we made it up with I think you're far too kind. And of you know mate. what? I really liked Gareth Southgate in the press conference yesterday saying how much he loved his players and how it was an England oh, family it's, as it's well. It's sad. I think everybody needs to toughen up a little bit. Man. <laughs> Get over it. You know what I mean? Like you want to see Andy Cole and Teddy Sheringham hated each other. They were doing that every single training session. They didn't come out and Alex Ferguson didn't have to come out and go, Ooh, but it's well, different at international football, isn't it? It's, it's rubbish. International football, when you're thrown together on a couple of weeks every now and again, oh. surely you, you need that kind of unity in your camp. Nah, I, I, I think what you need is tough, strong characters who, who push each other. I think that's what you need. I think Raheem Sterling is a, is a strong character, uh, but what he did was wrong. You can't grab someone by the throat, whether you're in a rage with them or not, in a workplace, which effectively they are. Yeah. And we'll come on to the Chelsea fine things later on in the podcast, but that just goes to show how strict... Things are in the world of modern football, Um, you know, in an England camp, in an England training session or whatever it might have been sat in the canteen. You can't go up to someone and grab them by the throat. You don't know what what Joe Gomez has said to him. By all accounts, what Gareth Southgate was saying, Joe Gomez is not at fault here. It was 100% Raheem Sterling. It seems like it has stemmed, well, we know it has stemmed from Liverpool versus Manchester City and Gomez shoving uh, Raheem Sterling on the pitch, which kind of bubbled out of the dog's abuse that Raheem Sterling was getting from the Liverpool fans during that game. He was getting absolute pelters. And Alexander-Arnold was winding him up for the whole game as well. And I think players winding players up is one thing, but no player should be subject to the kind of abuse that Raheem Sterling gets on the football pitch. And we saw it at Chelsea Nonsense. and the reaction from those. Sorry, I don't, I don't agree with that. If it's racist, I totally agree that no one should be subjected to that. If Liverpool fans want to boo Raheem Sterling because it means no, no. their team are going to win the game, no, absolutely but, but I also it. love it when it, it's it's like the Sol Campbell effect all again. If you're if you if you've essentially been a traitor to the Liverpool fans and gone yeah. to Man City, Judas. then you <laughs> exactly then you get booed, man. I'd, I'd be booed as Booing well. Booing is one thing, obviously racism, no question that is wrong. But sure. I think there's a weird 
thing and you've just kind of illustrated it there that in football we accept that if a player's on the pitch we can abuse them yeah. as much as we like we can say things can. about their Fo- family or their wife or their partisan. girlfriend football's partisan it's us and them in a stadium it, it's, it's a blue team if, if against the red team this is, this is why com- the Premier League as much as it's the best league in the world and I love it it's so diluted in terms of support you go down into I'm going to be like oh the bastion of the lower leagues here. <laughs> but you, go, you go down into the lower leagues and even in the non-league and the Scottish league it is oh, still oh, why, why the non-league and the Scottish league because they're about, there. they're about a level on quality <laughs> <laughs> but no seriously the support it, it's totally different to what you see in the Premier League otherwise 100%. everyone if no one was allowed to boo or abuse players I'm not saying it's the right thing to do and you sh- I don't booing ex- is different from abusing I don't expect to be abused when I come to work no exactly and you're comparing right. it to a workplace already so if you've yeah. got people coming if you're coming into the sports yeah, social office in the morning an, it's not a traditional workplace it's completely different so. but, but I know I know you can't make that comparison I know on the sports social sometimes when we say things on this podcast people don't agree with us and mm. they give us stick on Twitter it's it's a part of the job. Being abused for 90 minutes is a part of the job. Sometimes it happens, but it's not every day. The same as when we do a tweet sometimes Jim, that no one agree with, agrees with. We get tweets saying, you know, you're an, you're an ob or whatever. Jim, Jim, the next time West Ham play Millwall or somebody like that, <laughs> are you are you going to be sat behind the goals going, oh, come on, Millwall. I will all, cheer all the, best chaps. all the Millwall chances and say, good effort. Well, <laughs> well, well by done. Jim's philosophy, everyone's just going to turn into Reading fans. Exactly. You, you, you watch Green Street the night before and get psyched up for it. I know you do. Right. So on the subject of Raheem Sterling, has this incident affected? Because he's been touted as a future England captain before. Hudson had always said in the last 24 hours that he sees Raheem Sterling as a bit of an idol has it affected his chances or his potential to be an England captain in the future in either way either negatively or I think maybe positively I'd, would would Raheem still never be England captain I mean he's, yeah. he's, is he ages with Harry Kane same age similar same age, age so similar age I think you, Harry, Kane's younger, old, Harry Kane's older yeah you would you would guess so long as Harry Kane is in the squad that Raheem Sterling isn't going to be an England captain or full-time captain. So it, I reckon Sterling's kind of in that weird in-between where mm. he's kind of not quite the right age to be the next England captain. I think it'll be somebody who's younger than him. So I don't think it really matters that much. You mentioned Harry Kane there. Uh, hang on. Go on. Before, before we go on, I want to know why you think this is a positive thing. To... I think it's the kind of thing that builds a little bit of... What's the word I'm looking for? Character. Character building for Raheem Sterling. And it proves that he can continue and react well in the face of adversity, whether that's abuse on the pitch, whether that's abuse from the press. But he's attacked Gomez. He's attacked Gomez in its character building for Sterling. Yeah, I think the reaction that's happened within... The media, what do you mean, like you how say, every time has... Wayne Rooney got you know punished for something that he did wrong, like over several points in his career, he'd come out and say sorry, and that was character building for him? To a certain extent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it was. With Harry Kane, do you think Harry Kane should be getting a look in with this current England squad when you've got other strikers like Tammy Abraham, for example, who are performing well at the moment? We've got a couple of days before the game. But should it be Abraham that's starting up front in place of Harry Kane? Should Harry Kane lose that position leading England's attack? Or because he is the captain, is he just going to stick with that? Well, that's the sticking point. The fact that he is the captain. I'm not saying he's undroppable because if you look at Spurs' form and where they are in the Premier League table right now and where Chelsea are and Tammy Abraham in double figures now in the Premier League this season, you'd very much say on on form, Tammy Abraham deserves the start. Mm. But just because Spurs are 13th or 14th, wherever they are, Harry Kane is still a top, top striker. He's still a very, very good player. So I think that 
this is a tough one for Southgate, but at the same time, it's not because, you know, he's the captain. So he will start Harry Kane and he'll probably score. And everyone will forget about this question next week. Tammy Abraham will get his chance. He will get his chance. Whether that's after the Montenegro game away in Kosovo, presuming England beat Montenegro Mm. and they qualify, that's when I think you might see the players of the likes of Madison and Tammy Abraham get run out. And it could be if Harry Kane, say for example, picks up an injury, that could be the chance that Abraham has. If he performs well with the opportunity, then there's a really interesting question. Well, there's talks of Vardy even being recalled and he made yeah. himself unavailable Dream for England it. duty a couple of years ago. Uh, he's basically retired from Eng- England international duty and now it's being touted that he might be recalled again. And Gareth Southgate said, well, you know, he is on fire, it's, it's, on, it's not out of the question. It certainly isn't because he's, yeah, like you say, well, South- again, another striker in double figures, two English strikers in the Premier League this season leading the scoring charts. Southgate's always made a big thing about he'll pick players on form, which doesn't seem to be the case really with a lot of his I, England selections. I think he picks squads on form. He's, he's not he's not shy away from dropping an established player. Mm. Um, they tend to be players who are kind of like getting towards the end of their England careers. But in terms of players that are in form at that moment in time, you'd probably think that he, he doesn't really... I mean, he's not... So James Madison's been in the squad a few times, but he's not... Uh, a year, yeah. Yeah. That, he's been it? in the squad for a year, Madison. But wow. how he's, he's not got his first cap yet, Madison, no, has he? No, he so he's been in and around the squad. I don't know. I still think with England, with, with playing for your national team, a lot of it counts upon your experience, how mm. many caps you've got. And I think I think you slowly need to be introduced... I think very rarely does somebody get dropped into the England fold and that's it, they're there for a long period of time. So I would I would suggest that Harry Kane will start. Like Niall said, he'll yeah. probably score. He'll probably prove again why he's Harry Kane. I totally agree. And if you look at his stats in the Premier League, six goals this season. Um, Timo Puki for Norwich has scored six goals, but Puki hasn't scored since September. Mm. And, you know, Harry Kane is on the same amount of goals as him. So, I mean, the, it shows that he's had a sluggish, sluggish start to the season. The conversion sure. rates are quite interesting with Kane, Abraham and Vardy as well because Kane's had six goals, 30 shots. Abraham, 10 goals, 37 shots. Obviously, Tottenham not creating as many chances as Chelsea at the moment. And as you said earlier, Jamie Vardy, if you're going purely on form, 11 goals from 25 shots, that's what, 40% conversion rate? Oh, or amazing. something like that, which is that's incredible. Amazing stats but whether he comes back into the international well, fold I, I guess completely it kind of question. depends a little bit on the Montenegro team as well I don't really know who's going to be starting for them or I don't, I don't know anything about I could team. not name you a single <laughs> Montenegro player no so, I'm working on it yeah, googling it that's <laughs> cheating right we're going to leave it there we'll come back in a minute we're going to talk about Chelsea's fine list the amount that the players get hit in the pocket when they have various indiscretions at Stamford Bridge. And we'll talk about England's finest moments from their 1,000 game history. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. Listen to daily smart speaker updates for your Premier League team and your team only with Sports Social. Just say, Alexa, enable Sports Social and choose your team. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Niles had the little break to find a Montenegro player. Go for it, Niall. Uh, I'll be stunned if Stefan doesn't get this because he plays for Livingston in the Scottish Premiership. Oh, God. He's a goalkeeper. I I don't know. (laughs) Mike Montenegro. Uh, Matteo Sarkic. It's the only player that they've got that plays. Matteo Sarkic plays for Livingston. They they did beat Hearts 5-0 this time last year. 
and have gone on to achieve nothing since. So well done, Livingston. <laughs> there we go. We're going to come back to the international football in a minute. We're going to talk about favourite England highlights from there. A thousand games that they have now played or will have played against Montenegro on Thursday night. But first, we're going to talk about Chelsea because leaked online has been the Chelsea finalist. And it turns out that Frank Lampard's a little bit of a disciplinarian. Have you oh, boys seen it. this list? Oh, the I'm... amount that players get fined for various indiscretions yeah. at Stamford Bridge. The highlight of which is £20,000 if you sleep in and miss training. Yeah. £20,000, it seems it's like a crazy amount. You know, do you know what the message through all of this is? Just don't be late. Yeah. <laughs> Just do not be late. All fans are for lateness or wearing the wrong clothing. And also, if you're late, I think, to a team meal by... Every minute is an extra 500 quid. Yeah. Oh. Late for team meetings, That's 500 pounds per player, minute. Isn't it? Phone ringing know. during team or meal or meeting, 1,000 quid if your phone goes off well, in a meeting. I tell you what, Moise Keane would be absolutely shafted at Everton <laughs> because he's been left out of uh, Everton's squad. He was left out of the game against Southampton because he was late for a team meeting. And you must have been significantly late to have been left out of the matchday squad as a punishment, mm. which is why he wasn't playing, which raised a few eyebrows. So imagine if he was at Chelsea. If he was a good 10, 15 minutes late, that would have really hit him in the pocket. Everyone loves it when they see these things online. It's like when you get a player's wage slip oh, leaked on you're social just, media. You're just seeing things that you shouldn't really see. Do you know what? This is what I love about football. And for me, this is like the sort of the anti-social media Twitter brigade. This is brilliant. Just old-fashioned football managing. <laughs> I love it. It reminds it reminds me of my old football manager. Mm. Like we used to get paid if if you didn't pay your sub, which was a quid, then the next week you would have to pay one fifty. You know what I mean? Real Rolls hard over. punishments. I love it. Well, I think it's a little insight into how Lampard is managing Chelsea because there's a really fine line when you're a football manager. There's this balance you have to play between being a mentor and being a friend and being a disciplinarian. And we know that on occasions, like mm. when Fabio Capello was England boss it goes wrong and you treat players in the way that they don't react well to. But Lampard seems to be striking a good balance at well, Chelsea at the moment. Uh, by all accounts, I saw an interview and Lampard's an intelligent man. Hmm? Apparently he has an A-star in Latin. Really? And He's... apparently his IQ is over 150. Wow. Wow, Mensa. He's actually written a series of children's novels. He has. As well. He's got children's books out. So he's a, a, man, of man. Ma- a man of many in talents. Latin, or... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, a man of many talents is our Frank. I tell you what, Stefan says it's a brilliant thing in football, and it is nice when you see these things come out. But at the same time, it does rattle a few people when they see how much footballers get paid and how much <laughs> they get fined, and it does wind people up. What I will say is, someone's definitely been fired at the Chelsea training ground for letting that be leaked, or someone's been banned for sure. I want to put it in a little bit of perspective as well. So the average Chelsea wage, where you take all the wages across the board in the first team into account, is £4 million a year, which is quite a decent wedge, right? right, On average per player? Yeah, on average per player. So £20,000 is 0.5% of that annual salary. If you earned £25,000 a year... That £10,000 fine is the equivalent to getting fined 125 quid. So that puts it in our terms. So if you How long did it take for you to figure that out? Um, I'm good with the numbers. <laughs> wow. I'm good with the numbers. Good with the numbers. Good fag packet math. But that, that, that makes, the, a, it makes A, the fine not seem as severe. Like 10 grand is actually 125 quid to you or me. Yeah. But it also does put it into reality how much football is there yeah. at the moment. For example, I saw, you, you remember a few weeks ago when um, James Madison was caught in that casino when he should have been on England duty yeah. with you. Yeah. And he had that six grand see-through Gucci backpack, I think it was. And everyone was going, not an obscene amount to spend on a backpack. First of all, we don't know how much he gets paid. And then I remember seeing um, Leroy Sane in a completely ridiculous outfit 
with a pair of shoes that was, I think, six grand. A jacket was worth 15 grand. And actually, I broke it down in terms of what he gets paid a week and what his wages were. It was the equivalent of me spending 30 quid on an entire outfit. Yeah. Shirt, jumper, jeans, shoes, sorted. 30 quid. Thanks very much. <laughs> you, you live to your means, don't you? It's, just, it's kind of like it doesn't matter how much you earn. It kind of everything else shifts around the amount of money you got in your pocket. Right, let's wrap up talking about England. They're a thousandth game this Thursday night against Montenegro, so I thought we'd wrap up with everyone's favourite England memory. As I said, Stefan's half Scottish, half German, so <laughs> this should be an interesting one. You can join in on social media with this. If you find us on Twitter, at The Sports Social, you can share your favourite Three Lions moment as well. Go on, um, We've got a couple coming in already on oh, Twitter. Right. Yeah, so Joe Cole's screamer against Sweden in the World Cup in 2006. I remember that. Wasn't that his only England goal? It was an unbelievable goal if it was. It was a hell of a strike from the touchline, wasn't it, on the left-hand side? And he sort of oh, chested just, it down and volleyed it, it and it like he? swerved into the top corner. That's yeah. from one, uh, one of my favourite ever players, Joe Cole. Yeah, he's a legendary player. And he's actually, I tell you what, his insight as a pundit has been brilliant as well since he's made the step into the media. I've really enjoyed listening to him talk. That comes from Brian Dunn, a good friend of the, uh, the Football Social Daily podcast. Uh, Zonko on Twitter says, getting knocked out on penos, each one. Maybe that's something that <laughs> Stefan can uh, Stefan can side well, with. Well, I'm not going to go over the penalties for my favourite one, but um, I think the standout moment for me was in the uh, World Cup where England are playing Brazil in a quarterfinal, <laughs> oh, no. and Ronaldinho steps up to the ball. Oh. Is he going to cross it? Is he going to shoot? Lob Seaman from 40 yards. Honestly. One of my favourite ever England moments. That's Thank in, you, that, England fans. That's ingrained in my memory. Yeah. That's ingrained because that was the first World Cup where I really understood what football was about, 2002 World Cup. That was when D- uh, David Seaman had the ponytail as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. and just his oh, face yeah. and his hands on his hips and he's looking around at everyone else. And Trying thinking, to find David, someone to blame. your fault, <laughs> mate. Stop looking him. around at everyone Did, else. Didn't Michael Owen put England in front of in England were in the lead. Yeah. And then I, I still think Ronaldinho didn't mean that. But again, you know, the man was an absolute genius. Wow. So uh, I'll tell you what I did love was... Uh, Daniel Sturridge's goal against Wales in Euro 2016, which by all accounts was a miserable tournament for mm. England. I still haven't seen the highlights of I that. I was in the toilet for that game. I was watching it at Lancashire County Cricket Club. Oh, oh good nice. for you. And I was having a wee. Oh, <laughs> well, in the 90th minute, well, anyway, uh, obviously Sturridge wriggled into the box and stabbed it through the legs. I was at work at the time. There was just limbs in the office. That's wow. all I can describe. Limbs Absolute scenes. Um, people were going crazy, which Get was great there. to see. Yeah, absolutely. But to be honest, it was one of those where... You know, I still haven't watched the Iceland highlights back. I was in Ibiza at the time and I decided to go and watch David Getter instead, thinking, oh, England will get through this. England will breeze through this. And then uh, got back to the sort of main strip and everyone was a bit like, uh, what's, uh, it was a bit of a weird atmosphere. I was like, what's happened here? And someone said England got beat by Iceland. I still haven't seen the, the highlights at all, so I don't know what happened there. You so didn't miss much. Sturridge against Wales would be one of my favourites. I, I think would be dumb not to mention the Beckham free kick against Greece everyone's yeah. gonna oh, I'm sure we'll get a yeah, few mentions yeah, of that true that, that was actually really special that moment at Old Trafford as well my so. favourite moment and I think it illustrates that football is often about the things that happen around it rather than what happens on the pitch was Euro 96 it was the 4-1 win over Holland the final group game that got us through to the quarterfinals it was 96 was a brilliant tournament purely because the weather was spot on and you yeah, could watch yeah. every game you could watch the game you could have a beer and you could have a barbecue afterwards I was kind of 17 18 when this game was going on and we watched the game at my mate's house it got to 4-1 Holland scored in the last 10 minutes or something like that to make it 4-1 after England went 
4-0 up with Shearer and Sheringham scoring two each. And I remember we just, we just looked at each other and went, we don't want to be in this house, we want to go to the pub. Because yeah. it was like, <laughs> it was, we just ran down to the pub at the end of the street Get and just leathered. joined in the yeah, celebrations. Yeah. And it was just a brilliant tournament and a brilliant moment. Michael Owen, for all the stick he gets, has also been the uh, the curator of some good England moments. And I'm not even talking about his goal against Argentina in 98. I'm talking about his goal against Argentina in 2005 or 2007. It was a friendly. England won, I think, 3-2. They scored two late goals. Owen scored mm. twice. I remember watching that on the sofa with my dad and we just went absolutely nuts. It was brilliant. Um, so, yeah, that, that's another one I think I can think of. But no one's mentioned in 2018 World Cup. Last summer or two summers ago, that was... That was a hell of a ride, that. And I know England didn't play that well. But to get to get through a penalty shootout against Colombia, and it was just good scenes. Good it, was, scenes. it was a good moment, the penalty shootout, but it was a terrible tournament, all in all, I thought, particularly for England. So, pop quiz question before we finish. Yep. This is a good one. It will be in a future pub quiz at some point. Out of England's 1,000 games. Now, I don't think this counts teams that we've only played once, but who is England's worst record against. Who are England's bogey Ooh. team when it comes to international football? Oh. Do you know what? I, I, I'm going to go with Germany. Germany? I think so, because we remember the 5-1, and that 5-1 in 2001 was obviously so memorable because we never beat them. And then we lost to them in the World Cup 2010. We beat them in the World Cup 66, but I think we lost to them in a couple of World Cups before and after that. So I can tell you Germany's incorrect. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go, I think they've got to be European because yep. maybe qualifiers and that sort of thing as well. I'm going to go Italy. Italy. You're incorrect. Last beat them in 1985. You can chip in, you can shout if you it's like Yugoslavia or something. Can you give us some clues? Played them 16 times. Oh, so not a lot then. Only beat them five times, so 31% win percentage last played in 1985 did you say last beat them in oh, 1985 them in can you give us some clues home nation what's a home nation yeah because you've got to remember they used to have the home nation the republic of ireland the republic of ireland is no correct way. No, no way but england's bogey team well, is the congratulations. republic of i was going to say can you give us some like cultural hints like their national <laughs> dish but as soon as you said guinness the game would be up <laughs> right that is it for football social daily we're back tomorrow with another podcast make sure you click subscribe and you never miss an episode and we'll see you next time on football social daily Football Social Daily, Premier League updates.